0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to Amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's Amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
2: This is Monsters
3: Who
1: Murder Serial Killer Confessions.
0: With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight.
2: Hello and welcome to a brand new season of Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Joining me is the woman who has been badgering me to death to do the new series. It's the serial killer whisperer herself. Hello, Amanda.
0: Hello, Robert. Yes, I have been bugging you to death over this because I have been so excited. I've been counting down, as a lot of our listeners have also been counting down. And Anyone who's
2: been following <laughs> us on the pay- on the uh, Facebook page will know I hadn't even unpacked my bags from my big US trip and Amanda was hassling me when are we doing the episode? When are we doing the episode? <laughs> well guess what Amanda? Here we are doing the episode. and I'm Here feeling no pressure at all to make it a Perla.
0: <laughs> no pressure, but I'm glad we are back and we have so many episodes to get done. We've got cold cases. I've got two secret seasons. I'm writing for um the Patreon page. You know, there's a lot to come, so you can't fly away on me again.
2: No, uh, we are down and our calendar is full to record lots of episodes and lots of Patreon exclusives and additions um, uh, to make up for some lost time. So uh, there'll be a lot happening on our Patreon page this year. That's going to be a little, um, a little project for us, isn't it, Amanda?
0: It is because I have so many passion projects. I, I mean... Everyone knows I'm passionate basically about everything But there's just a couple of, of cases that are ones that I've always wanted to do And I'm doing more than a deep dive I mean, I'm hitting the seabed floor like I am down that deep <laughs> with some of these cases
2: Well, if you're interested in any of that stuff Go to patreon.com slash mwmconfessions and select the tier that's appropriate to you And this week, Amanda, we're looking at a serial killer who actually gave you nightmares
0: yeah, I know. And it's one of these cases that you don't see it coming until it happens. So we have to tell people to beware. But, yeah, we're doing David Parker Ray. He's also known as the Toy Box Killer, which is very different to the Toolbox Killer, which you know Yeah, I know. Early. That, that was the first thing
2: I thought of. I thought, we've done the Toolbox Killer. But, no, this is the Toy Box Killer.
0: Yeah, and this guy, he is beyond evil. So, And it's not only the torture and murder that he no doubt did, but it's also the psychological torture that he put. Put his victims through it's actually it's 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 going to curl your hair Robert I can tell you that
2: okay well we'll be covering that psychological profile shortly in the meantime let's get into the news and it's been nearly 10 years since police discovered 10 bodies on the south shore of Long Island mystery still surrounds the case and the killer or killers They haven't been caught. Now, ABC7 News reports new evidence has been released in the Long Island serial killer case, but it's led to questions over what else authorities have been keeping out of the public domain
1: the families that are connected to these victims they have been waiting for nearly a decade for arrest and while today's news conference isn't about an arrest it is about more information that could hopefully eventually lead to the killer in this case now uh, since uh, Suffolk County saying that they will
0: share a previously undisclosed piece of evidence this in connection to those 10 bodies found
1: back in 2010 and 2011 and weedy sections of Ocean Parkway here in Gilgo Beach the remains of six women have been identified many of them were sex workers but there are still four sets of remains that have not been identified including a toddler and an Asian male Suffolk County also saying that they'll be discussing a new initiative to share information with the public on this case and more information about a scientific technique that they are now using
2: so Amanda what was the piece of evidence that was released
0: Well they found a belt so now they're not telling us where the belt was found but it was found near one of the victims. Um, I'm starting to think maybe it was you know around one of their throats but I don't want to put a family through that but um it's got a a, either wh or hm we're not quite sure i'm sure other people out there have been googling those two initials to see if they can come up with something but it's 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 been considered a significant piece of evidence but they're only just releasing it now even though they found it at gilgo beach you know so long ago
2: so what's the um significance of holding on to that evidence and now releasing it
0: I think because they hit some stumbling blocks and the police have been unable to identify it or identify someone who may own it, whether it's a brand, whether it's someone's name. They haven't been able to pinpoint it. So they're hoping that someone out there might go, hey, my uncle owned a belt like that, or, you know, no, this was a brand that had 4,000 of them. So they're really quite not sure what's going on, but it looks like that they're hoping that this might be such a pivotal piece that it may break the case.
2: And it's got the media asking what else have they kept out of the public spotlight?
0: absolutely and this is the issue is that we may have evidence that someone can go bang i know exactly what that is and they can tell them straight off i mean it it happened with a case here in australia where um a baby we a baby was found in a suitcase and they released a picture of a homemade quilt and someone come forward i think within about three or four weeks saying i know exactly who owned that quilt i know who this baby is i know who their mum is so sometimes releasing this evidence early might be enough to get someone to know because it may have been made by someone 30 years ago. It was found 10 years ago. What's happened since then, you know, the Mm -hmm. person who made it or the person who owned it may have died. And so sometimes the delay can cause more harm than it can
2: help. It's a balancing act for the police, isn't it? They're trying to investigate it and they need to hold on to some evidence so that... Uh, people can't take credit, or they haven't got—they're not playing all their case or their aces. But uh, how much do you release, and how soon? It's a really tough call.
0: It is a tough call, and and that's why they really think long and hard before doing this. And we all had hoped that when they re- released news that they were going to release news, we all hoped it was going to be an arrest. But it's just that next piece, which really tells us that. They basically have no idea. I mean, we've heard this before. There's been cases like the Green River case where they said that they had no idea but they had a couple of people that they were watching and finally it ended up being Gary Ridgway who who we did just last season. But sometimes it is just that final piece that maybe they know who this person is but by releasing this piece of evidence someone might go, I know who owned that belt and that's that final piece that they can link this person to this case.
2: Mm. While well, police are examining an old case which may have links to the infamous Zodiac killer. ABC affiliate 10 News in the US has more. 29-year-old Ray Davis was a cab driver, shot to
1: death by his last passenger and dumped at the doorstep of Oceanside's most influential. This is uh, the first uh, article that ran in the Oceanside uh, Blade Tribune, and as you can see, the headline is Oceanside Cabby Slain. Oceanside Historical Society President Christy Hawthorne uncovered the forgotten case two years ago while researching St. Malo. Ray Davis uh, radioed and said, um, I have a fare, I'm taking them to South Oceanside, and then he was never heard from again. But what really hooked her were cryptic threats the killer made to police. So on the evening of April 9, 1962, the Oceanside Police Department received an anonymous telephone call. The unidentified caller stated, I'm going to pull something here in Oceanside and you will never be able to figure it out. And then um, April 10th, uh, Ray Davis uh, was murdered. Days later, the gunman called police back, claimed responsibility, and threatened to attack a bus driver next. AFTER THAT THREAT AGAINST BUS DRIVERS, THE CITY TOOK AN UNPRECEDENTED STEP. IT PUT ARMED GUARDS ON ALL CITY BUSES AND ARMED MILITARY POLICE ON BUSES HEADING TO CAMP PENDLETON. WHEN YOU COMPARE THE the REALLY UNUSUAL SIMILARITIES BETWEEN THE KILLER OF RAY DAVIS AND THE ZODIAC, YOU GET THESE REALLY BIZARRE, RARELY SEEN uh, CHARACTERISTICS. TOM Voigt IS AN EXPERT ON THE ZODIAC KILLINGS IN NORTHERN CALIFORNIA which started six and a half years later. He had training somewhere to be a serial killer, and I really do believe it was in Southern California, and he worked his way north. He says both cases involved attacks on cab drivers in wealthy neighborhoods, threats against buses, and brazen taunts to police. Ray Davis was shot with a 22 caliber gun with long rifle ammunition, the same caliber and ammunition used in the Zodiac's first Bay Area attack.
2: Amanda, the Zodiac killer has never been caught. What significance does this revelation play, if any?
0: Well, what it does is suggest that if this is an earlier killing by the Zodiac killer, he may have made mistakes. He may have have left his fingerprints, which they're currently testing, that may link him to these other cases, because we know that the bullet casings have have proven to be... um, too too far decayed to actually test. Right. But there might be something that they find in this case. There might be, you know, sweat or something on on that fingerprint that might be that final piece that we need. Because killers like this, that they actually like to get better with each killing, and so they practice. And 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 like Tom Voigt said it in that interview. Um, these they they do their research and they practice and they get better and better and better so then they can become these elusive killers like the zodiac so if we find an early case that hasn't been linked before now we might find his mistakes
2: okay and you've studied the zodiac killer a lot you know a lot about this case what's your gut feeling do you think this is the same guy
0: um, it would be interesting to see because I'm one of these people who who believes the cab driver is so different to the other cases that there is more to it. So if we find that there's actually more cab drivers being shot as, as a different part of the same series, then it shows that we have two different signatures happening. And mm-hmm. we may find that Paul Stein's uh, killing is linked to this case and not part of the Zodiac case. So ah. there's all these different possibilities that may happen. Um Stein's murder is really sort of an offshoot of, of, of the Zodiac case and I know there's lots of people who say yeah but there's um, the Zodiac wrote to the Chronicle and, and, and sent Paul Stein's shirt and all of that but there's something in, in there that doesn't match the other cases so huh. it'd be interesting to see what happens I would love to think that we found his first killing and we found his mistakes
2: well, the trial of the alleged Claremont serial killer continues in Western Australia. Evidence presented suggests victim Ciara Glennon was struck with an object that fractured her skull and, I quote, momentarily stunning her before she was killed. A temporary suppression order was in place over details of the postmortem, but that has now been lifted. Those in court heard graphic details of the injuries sustained by Ms Glennon and Jane Rimmer as they seemingly fought for their lives. Amanda, what have we learnt?
0: It's so great that this suppression order's been lifted. We're finding that there is so much more violence than what we were led to believe. We were kind of led to believe that this was um, a... a more simplistic sexual attack gone wrong um, and, ah. and and becoming a serial case. Now we're hearing that these girls had, like, gaping wounds in their throat from being stabbed so violently. So we're seeing a, a different side to this case that we've never been told until now. So there's a lot more to come out um, because we're now finding out, you know, that there is the, this blood, which means that there was a lot of blood loss when you stab someone in the throat, you know, you get the carotid artery and it's it's far more violent than, say, a, a strangulation or, or something like that. But we've not been told this until now.
2: That's interesting because I remember early on the prosecution were talking about his viol- his aggression and his mm-hmm. violence. And, and I think at the time um, no-one could understand the correlation because that side hadn't come out with these cases. Um, so it'll be interesting how this all comes together. So it's it seems like the prosecution are playing a very long game um, and being very methodical. There have been some bungles throughout this case, though, haven't they, with the way evidence was gathered? Am, am I thinking of the right case?
0: Yes, yes, that, that's right, Robert. What's happened was that um, the defence claimed that they had lost some of the evidence at, at one point, um, but I think it was only yesterday that the case came back around and said, no, that isn't true, and there's been... Pieces that haven't followed the, 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 the train of evidence but they have enough of the other bits that it, it, it won't come to toe the crunch of being, you know, an acquittal purely because one piece of evidence... Um, was misplaced.
2: Right. Well, we'll, be keep, we'll keep watching that one with uh, a lot of interest. Meanwhile, the home of the Bloody Benders, America's first serial killer family, is up for sale. The 162-acre tract of cropland is known as Bender Farm and will be sold off to the highest bidder. Eleven bodies were found on the property in 1973, and some believe there could have been as many as 21 victims. The family of four, including children John Jr. and Kate, would invite weary travellers to their property before slashing their throats or crushing their skulls with hammers. Amanda, why do the sale of homes owned by serial killers still bring such interest?
0: I think it's almost like um, it allows us to step inside these homes. I mean, many people see homes like... um, the home that's currently on John Wayne Gacy's property, uh, people will want to see inside it. Now, that house itself um, isn't the original house that John Wayne Gacy had because they basically pulled it apart to get to the um, basement where mm-hmm. the bodies were. But people see this as... Uh, part of a bloody history basically and people won't want to be able to say oh that's where that happened um people like me especially you know i i know where ivan Malat's house is it's, it's up the road from me and friends that come that are interested in true crime <laughs> like to be taken there and so you know i drove past his house i've um I've taken them out to Blanglow Forest and I've brought them home I promise. <laughs> um, but but there is things like that, that 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 some people want to see that these places to make sure that they're real and there is that that, that macabre in interest. I mean it goes beyond um, you know letters and photographs and everything to actually walk through the house of where a killer lived is sometimes just to be interesting.
2: I, I, the only way I can relate is when I was in the US, I went and saw locations where things were shot. You know, I went to movie studios and did things like that and uh, locations throughout LA and and all that kind of stuff. And there is a fascination with with seeing where things happened and actually exactly. seeing the place where it occurred. So it's the exact. To me, it seems the exact same kind of thing when you're thinking about a serial killer's place and, and yes, when I visited the set of neighbours and all that <laughs> kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I knew that would get in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I go and see places. Like, I, I went and stood where the Tyburn tree was in London where they hanged, you know, hundreds of people. Mm. I went and stood where um, Anne Boleyn had lost her head. So, you know, I, I love the the criminal history that we have. And so it's interesting that other people see things like the Bloody Bender farm and they want to buy it. you know it, I, I'd love to buy all these properties and, and open mu- museums around the world. <laughs> um, but that's just you know my w- wealthy dreams one day. When I'm rich and famous, please guys come onto our Patreon. I will, I will open up I will open up all of these properties to all of, of the Patreon subscribers and you can come and see these places <laughs> if I have enough money to buy. making
2: them. promises you can't follow through. <laughs> That's the Amanda Howard way. Um, <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> coming up
2: in a moment, our psychological profile on David Parker Ray. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds.
1: Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. Shocking celebrity secrets. It's Justin Bieber's word against mine.
2: Backstage drama. All of a sudden, Dolly Parton walks into the room. And controversial opinions. I'm not saying she's been approached. I'm saying this is what
3: I'm hearing is the crunching options. TV Black Box,
2: the podcast where people who've worked in the TV industry spill their juiciest stories.
1: Julie used to like to drink on
2: set. TV Black Box, available in your favourite podcast feed. Our first psychological profile this season is on David Parker Ray, also known as the Toy Box Killer. Although no bodies were ever found, Ray was accused by his accomplices of killing six or seven people. But in fact, police believe the number could have been much higher. Ultimately, Ray was convicted of kidnapping and torture in 2001 and died shortly after of a heart attack. Now, Amanda, we look at serial killers here, but I just mentioned Ray was never actually convicted of murder.
0: No, he wasn't. But um, he claimed to have killed at least 40, though police believe it it was closer to 60. And um, he was arrested in March 1999 after a final victim actually escaped. Um, But he was expected of at least three murders up until that point, but possibly 60 deaths, and was sentenced to 224 years in prison for the torture and assault of some of his victims that had escaped and his accomplices were tried for some of the murders, but Ray never actually stood trial because while he was being transported to another facility in 2002 to be questioned by police about some other victims, he died of a heart attack. So he took his secrets to have the grave, and so he was never charged.
2: What a shame for the families of those victims because they can never get the actual answers and never get justice. Um This is a complex case with many different people involved, but let's start in 2001. He'd just been found guilty of the rape and kidnapping charges. KOB News had this interview with Ray. I
3: feel raped. On that day, Ray admitted to us he had been involved with women but denied committing any crimes. He enjoyed it?
1: Has he ever tortured anyone? No. Did he kidnap anyone? No. So did
3: Ray ever do anything against the wishes of a sex partner? No. I get my excitement from making a woman happy. My trailer had numerous sex toys in it of different types, all different fetishes. I got pleasure out of the woman getting pleasure. Uh, I did what they wanted me to do.
2: Now, Amanda, this guy's just been sentenced to 224 years, but in the video, he's grinning about it.
0: Yeah, and it's amazing how he claims that he's actually been raped by the system. I mean, he shows no anger. He's in total control of the situation. He's choosing his words carefully because he knows that he's smarter than those that were investigating him. You know, he knows he may have been sentenced for 224 years, but he knows he's gotten away with murder, and that's right. the difference. So, you know, and as we've seen so many times before, and we'll see it 100 times again, um, like many killers on 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 these sorts of programs, he's claiming to be a victim. He's claiming that, (laughs) you know, that they've caught the wrong guy because he's going to jail because he likes to please women with his, his sex toys.
2: Now, he mentioned his trailer of sex toys, which he says was for the enjoyment of the women he was with. Take me through what was actually in his trailer.
0: Okay. I mean, for a start, the room was soundproofed. So let's just start there. And there is a sign calling it Satan's Den. So, I mean, instantly right. we have this vision of a place that isn't for the tame at heart, you know. But the the dildos that he did have in, in this place... A bigger than a person's arm You know, massive size dildos Yeah, he had speculums He had medical equipment He had electrical devices that were hooked up He had a medical chair with stirrups You know, there was circular saws There was clamps There was a belt that was actually covered in nails And there was this machine that he had uh, That had a massive dildo attached to it That would actually violently ram into his victim
2: Sounds very enjoyable for a woman, doesn't it?
0: It does. And he also even had a soundproof head box. So if, you know, someone was screaming, no one would hear it because of the soundproofing on just a box that goes on a head.
2: Oh, wow. Now, as we mentioned, Ray was arrested after a victim, Cynthia Hill, escaped, having endured three days of torture in his so-called toy box. This is the 9-11 call that broke the case. The audio is from a documentary called The Sex Chamber. <coughs> One, one. The call came from a panicked local after 21 year old Cynthia Vahil burst into her house. She was naked except for a metal dog collar attached to a six foot chain.
1: Yes, I'm calling for a young lady that ran into the house. She says she's just been raped. She's got a chain on her and everything. She's done one right away. This lady's naked and everything else. She said they've been holding her for three days.
2: Now, what she went through was an uh, was unimaginable. So, let's hear her telling her story. She attended a press conference and talked about some of the things she had been through.
0: One morning I was walking to a restaurant and this guy came up to me and told me that he had asked for me, so I went over there and he acted like a cop and told me I was under arrest. And he put his handcuffs on me and he had me in his trailer, and he drove me to LB. And he... i keep going if you don't
2: want Did to. a lot of sick stuff. Amanda, that was ten years after the attack. She's obviously still extremely traumatised. It really does defy belief how sick and twisted some people are.
0: Absolutely. And, I mean, the the reason for this press conference was that they were hoping that other um, victims would come forward and maybe families of girls that may have disappeared during this time. And you can see that she is haunted. She is totally Mm -hmm. destroyed by what he had done. And she was lucky because she survived. But, really, she's gone through 10 years of hell after that, like going through the PTSD, the trauma of, of what she had endured For only three days It's massive
2: Well when the case broke KRQE News spoke with Darren White From the Department of Public Safety
3: It didn't take long for everyone to know That we were dealing with Perhaps one of the most
1: sick and twisted people In New Mexico history
2: So White just said there We're dealing with one of the most sick And twisted people in New Mexico history Amanda would you agree with that?
0: I'd say he's actually one of the most sick and twisted people in international history. Um, right. I mean, the depravity that this guy put his his victims under, and what we're about to go through, it's just horrifying to think that people think this way. I mean, I know that there is times that I have to go into the minds of these sorts of killers to sort of work out how they end up doing these sorts of things. But this is the case that broke me. This is one of those cases that I went to bed that night listening to the recording of him saying what he's going to do to his victims and it it, it defies belief that there is no possible way that someone can be this sick and twisted and yet here we are.
2: Mm. It's an interesting thing, considering the cases we've delved into on this podcast alone, let alone what you've done outside of this podcast. Um, Cindy Hendy, Ray's girlfriend and partner in crime, was arrested for her part in the case. This is what she told KRQE News when the cameras caught up with her. Were you involved in any way? No. Kind of. But kind of? Yeah. That's a really interesting doorstop. So this isn't a sit-down interview. They've chased her to a car, but if you didn't hear that clearly, the reporter asked whether she was involved in any way. After initially answering no, she then says, kind of. I mean, wow, Amanda.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, she had just received that 36-year sentence because she took a plea deal. So she served less than 20 years of that and was actually released early, uh, mid-last year. Oh, okay. And, yeah, so, so she's out now. But... Um, that kind of sentence can't occur unless they must serve 85% of this sentence, you know. So now she has no restrictions and now she's out there, you know, doing what she wants to do. But she has taken a plea because like like David Parker Ray himself, she knows that if she goes, yes, I did this, they don't look at the bigger picture.
2: I want to go back to that interview with Darren White that he did with KRQE News. He was from the Department of Public Safety and he gave his view on Cindy Hendy. She was
3: just as much responsible for what took place in Elephant Butte than David Parker Ray.
2: Now, interestingly, during the police investigation, a team came to Australia. A letter from a man named Mark was found during the police search. The letter was addressed to a woman known as Connie. Police believed she was a victim. Once again, KRQE News covered the story at the time.
1: This letter is dated June 19, 1990. It's from someone named Mark who lived in a suburb of Sydney, Australia to a woman named Connie and her friend Candy. The FBI believes Connie was an 18-year-old victim of David Parker Ray.
3: We're hoping Mark can tell us uh, more about Connie, uh, her last name for one, uh, for beginners, uh, and also her friends, her family, uh, where she hung out.
1: Frank Fisher with the FBI was on Australian TV earlier today asking for the public's cooperation in finding the man who wrote this letter. Mark talked about a beach that he and Connie visited, but investigators aren't quite sure that meant Elephant Butte. Do you have the FBI say, sir, believes yeah. the Connie in the letter was abducted by Ray in 1995. They're basing
2: that on an entry in Ray's journal. An interesting twist Amanda, did anything come of that?
0: No, and I've dug through so many newspaper articles trying to find anything that went beyond it. So if Mark contacted the FBI, it wasn't released publicly. So um, he was from the North Shore in Sydney. So Mark, if you're listening to this and knew someone called Connie who ended up in New Mexico, um, the police are still looking for you as far as I'm aware.
2: Now, in attempts to find and identify the victims, the FBI released photos of hundreds of items found in the trailer. Amanda, you noticed something significant about the pieces he'd kept as souvenirs?
0: Yeah, what I found interesting was many of the items were actually religious or cultural pieces. So there was um, several crucifixes and also, like, Native American pieces. I know um, things like topaz and things like that are are, are very typical of the New Mexico area. But these were different. These were... um, you know, homemade, and 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 they weren't sort of things that you could go down to Kmart and buy. Mm. These were actually specific pieces. They had gemstones. There was beads. There was turquoise. There was rhodonite, and all these sorts of things that, that that you would associate with Native American jewelry. But there was a lot of crucifixes and everything. So, in out of you know the two three hundred pieces, um, it's quite surprising that most of these were religious emblems. So it may hmm. even be how he picked some of his, his victims, that he was looking for those that had spiritual
2: connections. Ah, that's interesting. After Ray's arrest, one of the agents sent to investigate the trailer he was tasked with creating detailed drawings of the contents.
0: Well, yeah. Um, her name's Patty Rust and she was an FBI agent that um, spent four days inside the toy box. Um, and Four days? four days and she was detailing everything that was in there Um, and during that time they also found some videotapes and they actually watched a woman being tortured and killed by Ray using an electric cattle prod so um, Rust created such a detailed report that she was praised for her her work and then was told to go home and have a few days off Um, unfortunately that night that she went home she took out her service revolver and took her own life no no, she did. So it was, you know, basically <sighs> Ray got a final victim.
2: What a devastating twist. She, I
0: mean... It just tells <sighs> you what is in that room, that a hardened FBI agent whose job is to see the worst of the worst spent four days there and couldn't live another day because of what she saw.
2: Wow. Um, you mentioned there were tapes found. You've, you've described one of them, but what, what did else did these tapes contain?
0: Well, there's very little information that has been released about what's on these tapes. Um, but there is also tapes that that we have heard um, that David Parker Ray actually played to his victims. And this is once he has them in the toy box. This is once he's ready to start his pleasure games or whatever he, he, he wanted to call them. And, you know, they're blindfolded, they're tied down, and they play a tape.
2: OK, we'll come to that in a moment. What we've got here is this is the only copy of Ray's original recording available, and it only goes for eight seconds.
3: You will probably scream a lot, and that is exactly what I want you to do. <laughs> it's what turns me on.
2: He's laughing, Amanda. This is chilling, and this is just eight seconds.
0: Yeah, but it's going to get a whole lot worse, and that's the scary part.
2: Well, you're you're absolutely right, because we've sourced an old recording of an actor reading the transcript from the tapes. Look, we're only going to use some of it in this podcast, as some of it is it, it really is horrifying, and I just don't think many people will get through it. But for those who do want to listen to the whole thing, we'll post it on our Patreon page in its entirety. So that's going to be your choice. We will give you select bits in this podcast podcast episode amanda let's get started in the with the nightmare inducing tapes this is the second half of the first side this is just the first part anyway
3: we've had a lot of practice at this and uh we're not real concerned about you escaping you're fucking sure not gonna go anywhere now if you're not already naked you soon will be your clothing will be bagged up and saved until such time as we decide to turn you loose As far as being naked goes, you might as well get used to it. For what we're going to be using you for, clothing will just be in the way. Besides, I like watching a naked woman's body, all of it, whether it be in a room or on the TV set. As I've already said, you'll be fed and watered on a regular basis. Not as much as either as you're used to, I'm sure, but enough to keep you healthy. You'll only be fed once a day, like the rest of the animals. And during the first few days, until you adjust to it and your stomach shrinks up, you're going to feel a little weak and you'll be hungry all the time. It won't take long, three or four days. And during the first few days, until
2: you adjust to the environment, I prefer to keep you in a weakened condition anyways. Now those audio glitches are part of the recording. Apologies for that. Amanda, this is 15 minutes into the tape and it's terrifying. Talk us through it. What's happening?
0: Well, what's happening is that the victims are actually stripped completely naked, as the tape says, and they've been defiled and they're left vulnerable. They're um, often drugged as well. So this is his way to dehumanise them. He sees them as objects. They're parts and pieces. So though he's saying I like to see the female form, you know, he's actually talking about parts. He's not about Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, ankles and elbows. He's he's talking about seeing the pieces that he's interested in seeing.
2: And once again, this is the tape that he would play his victims. Once he got them, once he kidnapped them, he would put them um, in a confined space, in the toy box, I assume, and play them this tape while they're blindfolded. So they are being read the riot actor. He's not having to do it each time. He's got it on tape and he's just playing this.
0: I mean, it's professional.
2: Yeah, sadly, actually. it's
0: professional. You know, this is like this is what I need to happen. He has scripted this. He has recorded this. He knows what to play them. He would have corrected it. He would have proofed it. He would have tried it out and and changed it. And so this is the final edited version. You know, he's he's going to, going to a place that. A victim is already terrified and and doesn't know what's going to happen next. And then he tells them what's going to happen next with this tape. And you know he can just play this while he goes and gets everything else prepared. Mm. You know, so it doesn't matter if if he finds a victim surreptitiously, he can he can bring them in, set them up, press play, then go and set up what he really wants.
2: Mm. And and he refers to them as animals. And you, you it's impossible to comprehend the fear these women would be feeling. But you also heard something very important.
0: Yeah, well, like I was saying, you know, this tape is not made before the first victims. So this is something that he has thought about and prepared. You know, he knows how to make these first days tough for them. He knows how they're, they're going to um, react. He's going to tell them, look, look, y'all are going to try this and this and this, and I'm going to tell you that that's not going to work. You know, he, he knows what to do and he makes them realise that they're not going to go anywhere in a hurry. This is not going to be a short attack. This is going to be prolonged and protracted. And I think that is going to be more
2: terrifying for these victims. Well, he then attempts in the recordings to play the victims at their own game.
3: Now. You already know that you've been kidnapped and brought here for us to train and use as a sex slave. I realize that being abducted and being forced into sexual slavery is a hard pill to swallow. Some girls really have a lot of trouble with it, and I'm sure that you will to a certain extent. But face it, you can't get away. You can't say no. You're going to be naked all the time. You won't be able to struggle or resist. You're going to have to lay there and take it good or bad, no matter what is being done to you. A scary thought? Yes, but there are no options. Nothing that you can say or do will change the fact that it's going to happen. Many girls beg and plead. Almost all of them cry. A lot. Especially during the first three or four days. And some of them scream and threaten. But I have a poster on the wall in the playroom that says it all. If they're worth taking, they're worth keeping. And I'm gonna tell you, just so you know, Since you are being kept here against your will, we will never trust anything you say, do, or promise. You are a potential threat to us, and you will always be treated as such. On numerous occasions, bitches have told me that they'd do anything I wanted them to do if I just took the chains off. I've been offered ransom money, and I've even had girls tell me that they like it. But I like to use the chains. Money's not that important, and masochists are rare as hell. (laughs) I wonder what your scam's going to be. Not anything that I haven't heard before, I
2: bet. Amanda, he really is covering all the bases.
0: Yes, and this proves that he has done this so many times before you know he knows that the victim is already trying to work out what she can do to survive she's hearing the things that she's going to have to endure she's blindfolded she's drugged and she's listening to a tape that is basically an instruction video you know we've all heard things you know do breathing exercises Mm. and all this other stuff and here is her one which is going to get a hell of a lot worse you know but she thinks oh you know well I'll just go along with every, everything he does and maybe that'll get me out and he goes no because no one is going to like what I'm going to do to them you know so it's about this psychological torture as well as the fear of the physical pain that she's going to go through and she tells and he tells them I've heard it all before there's nothing that you were going to say to me that's going to make it stop
2: and then he also makes it clear the torture chamber is not the only place the victim will be subjected to abuse
3: You already know that, for the most part, you're going to be kept in the playroom. But once in a while, we like to take a captive into the bedroom. In chains, of course. Also, we have a couple of real close friends that we party with once in a while. They know about our hang-ups and don't have any problem with fucking a slave. You may be required to service them occasionally, but that's an easy one for the most part. Just fucking and sucking. They don't get into the heavier stuff. However, when we have a party, sometimes I like to put on a little show that you won't like at all.
2: Amanda, what do you think would be going through the victim's mind here?
0: Uh, They'd be terrified. There would be abject horror like you could never, ever understand. And there's also confusion because they'd be trying to get their bearings. They're hearing a tape... They don't know because they're blindfolded if the guy's in the room, if he's not in the room. Mm. You know, there's all of these different things. They don't know where they are. Uh, the victim would be in a fight-or-flight panic. Um, adrenaline would be coursing through their body. Uh, they wouldn't be able to hear things properly. They'd be listening to some parts, then missing other parts, and then recalling it as they're trying to get their wits about them. You know, they they have no idea what they're about to endure, but they know that... Um, they're going to have to fight for their life if they're going to survive.
2: Yeah. Well, this is where we get to the most terrifying part of the call. Uh, Well, this is where we get to the most terrifying part of all. What David Parker Ray calls, and I quote, his show. Now, look, just a warning. This is a really bad part of the tape. It's vulgar and sickening, and I certainly didn't enjoy listening to it, but I actually think it's important to hear the depravity of this guy and what he was putting these poor girls through. However... If you don't want to listen to this bit, just skip about 2 minutes 40. You'll be taken into the living room and put on the floor on your
3: hands and knees, naked. Your wrists, ankles, knees, and hips will be strapped to a metal frame to hold your body into position. The frame is designed for doggy fucking. Your ass up in the air, sex organs exposed, your tits hanging down on each side of a metal support bar. Knees spread about 12 inches, position similar to that of a bitch dog in heat right in the middle of the floor so we can sit on the couch and in the chairs and watch. I'm gonna rub canine breeders musk on your back, the back of your neck, and your sex organs. Now, I have three dogs. All of them's male, because I don't need any fucking pups. One of them is a very large German shepherd that is always horny, and he loves it when I bring him in the house to fuck a woman. After I let him in the house, he'll sniff around you a little bit. Within a minute, He'll be mounting you. There's a fifty-fifty chance which hole he'll get his penis into, but it doesn't seem to bother him whether it's the pussy or the asshole. His penis is pretty thin. It goes in easy, but it's about 10 inches long and when he gets completely excited, it gets a hell of a knot right in the middle of it. Now I've had slaves tell me that it feels like they got a baseball inside of him. It doesn't take long, he's gonna hump you real fast for about 3 or 4 minutes. And while he's doing it, he'll wrap his front legs around your chest to hold himself in position. And in the process, he'll probably scratch your tits up a little bit with his claws. After he gets through, he usually turns around and tries to pull out. Oh, he'll jerk a little. Not much. Mostly just steady pressure. And I've timed it. The knot will usually shrink up enough to come out of your pussy in about three minutes. If he's in your asshole, about five minutes. I don't use the dog all that often but I don't deprive him of pussy either. There's no doubt that he's going to be on you a few times while you're here, because I like watching it. And any time it's just you, me, and the dog, it will always be in your butt. The dog knot on his penis is big and extremely uncomfortable when he's, uh, pushing it back and forth way up in your ass. I really enjoy watching girl wiggle, jerk, and squirm around while he's doing it. Consequently, I give him a little, uh, assistance, getting it in the right hole. Now, if you think all this stuff is sick and depraved, you haven't seen anything yet. This is a different fucking world. Among our small circle of friends, little things like rape, kidnapping, doggy fucking, stuff like that, are everyday occurrences. Matter of course, here, anything can happen, and often does. What.
2: The. Fuck.
0: Yep, as I said, it's as sick as it gets. I mean, understand why I had nightmares. the The image of that, even hearing it now, and I've heard this multiple times before. This, um, it, it gets into your soul. There's there, There's no other word for it. You know. I know that I can block a lot of things out. That scene, that image, that that those thoughts. It is something that is just so fucked up, it's revolting, it's vile. I, you know, and, and to imagine some poor 18-year-old girl who has woken up in a truck and she's just been told all of this and been told that this is going to happen often to you while you're here. I mean, he says it lasts seven minutes, but that is probably four hours in hell.
2: Yeah. And
0: I, I I can't imagine the fear it's it, it's it's beyond anything a normal person would would ever be able to comprehend it it like my heart is 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 throbbing my stomach feels sick just thinking about that there could be up to 60 women probably 70 80 who, who knows that went through this and um it's it's beyond it's beyond beyond
2: well if all that wasn't bad enough he goes into the punishment for non-compliance. Let's talk about uh, your training, the rules,
3: and punishment. Here, you are a slave, and discipline is extremely strict. You're going to be given a set of rules, things that you can and things that you cannot do, and you will learn to comply each time you violate a rule, you will be punished. As soon as each rule is told to you, it will become law, as far as you're concerned. And you know what's going to happen every time you fuck up. We'll use a couple of methods of punishment. A whip is an excellent training aid, so is an electroshock machine. Any time you get out of line, one or both will be used on your body, and I assure you, it will not be pleasant. There is not many rules, and they're very easy to remember. But you're gonna make mistakes, every slave does. I don't like repeat offenders, it gets me very upset. During the first few hours, the first time you violate a certain rule, consider it a teaching process. The second time you violate the same rule, you'll be lightly punished. And the third time you violate it, it's gonna be full punishment. After the first day, we don't cut you any slack. We will expect total obedience.
2: This is pure intimidation.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is extreme psychological torture. So this is beyond taking a victim and brutalising them. This is prolonging that pain because now the victim is anticipating it. So the victim's mind would be reeling. They're terrified of what's to come. And if they see anything in that torture room, that terror would be extremely heightened. So though they're probably blindfolded, though they're probably drugged, they can see things in this room and realise that this guy's not joking. This is going to happen. Everything they're hearing is is real. And, you know, on top of that, they're going to be punished for doing the wrong thing. And they're going to do the wrong thing because they're going to be in a a survival mode beyond anything most people would know. And they're going to be punished because they're going to do things that are, are for their own survival. It's human nature to do that.
2: Yeah. And if you can believe it, there are still more rules to come.
3: Now, let's start this off right. You are a slave. You don't realize it yet, but you will eventually. I'm your master and the lady is your mistress. You will be totally docile. You'll be very quiet and you'll speak only when spoken to. Never initiate conversation. Keep your mouth shut. Anytime you are spoken to, you'll be required to respond with proper speech. Remember that we are in the dungeon game and as long as you are here, it's the only game in town. Anytime that you are asked a question where a yes or no answer is required, you will respond by saying, Yes, master. No mistress, no master, etc. You will show proper respect. Having to use the word master or mistress may sound funny, petty, or vain to you. But that's alright. If you choose not to do it, you can laugh while you're being whipped or when your body is convulsing under the electroshock machine. You will respond to commands without protest or resistance. Do exactly what you're told, nothing else. Remember that here, you are a slave, and failure to respond to a command will definitely get you in trouble. If I decide to rape you in your pussy or your asshole, don't resist or struggle. When I tell you to spread your legs or to pull them back, you say, yes, master and obey the command, because to do anything less will get you beaten. If I tell you I want to be sucked off, you say, yes, master, and open your mouth. I love oral sex. If it's done right, you're going to be taught exactly the way I like. How to use your lips and tongue. We'll be practicing a lot, and each time when I get ready to come, I'm going to push my penis down your throat and keep it there until I get through squirting. I'm not going to choke you, but you need to learn to hold your breath and to swallow every bit of sperm. If I see one drop leaking out of your mouth, I'm going to punish you. Basically, it's going to be the same with your mistress. If she demands oral sex, you say yes, mistress, and respond. She will also teach you exactly the way she likes it, and you will keep using your tongue on her pussy until she gets off.
2: Why is this important to Ray?
0: this is about the dominance and control part of it. You know, he wants them to be compliant and this is about threatening them to be compliant. But he doesn't want them to be compliant. He's telling them all these rules because he wants them to break them. He wants them to um, need to be punished and and he says, well, you know, you broke my rule so now I'm going to use the cattle prod on you and it's things like Mm. this that happen. But what? this comes from is um that he was actually really shy when he was younger and though he apparently was was quite attractive back then and would get the attention of girls he didn't know how to respond and and reciprocate that that attention so he would actually go through times and just sort of try trying to avoid girls all together which is i think could have been purely because back then he, he may have been this sexual status and didn't know um that that was the wrong way to to handle this and so he he stepped back but at the same time it could be because they were teasing him because he was so shy that it created this this fuel and 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 a reason for him to you know hurt these women because he was shy you know it I don't know it 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 could have gone either way but I really tend to believe that he's always had this sexual sadism and it's just Come out once he he could afford to create his toolbox, his toy box.
2: So, so what kind of killer is he?
0: This guy is one of the smartest killers that will ever come across. So he's highly intelligent, highly organised, as we, we can see by the amount of money he spent on creating his toy box. Um, and he is a sex killer, obviously, because that is is the basis of what drives him. It's about the torture and and the punishment, and it's. I think killing is probably an eventual result of ongoing torture that the body just gives up. I mean, you know, these girls are being raped by dogs every day and being cattle prodded and, and large dildos mm. in, you know, it's, it's beyond, beyond. And I think that um, when someone has this intelligence and this imagination, it's such a deadly cocktail.
2: Yeah. Well, his idea of punishment gets even worse. If during oral sex or any other time, you should bite one of us,
3: I'm going to cut on you a little bit. I'll cut your nipple off for a starter, and if it's a bad bite, I'll cut your tit off too. That may sound harsh, but your teeth are serious weapons and we're not going to tolerate any shit from you. I have been bitten, and I've cut off nipples, so don't fuck around. That's enough said about that.
2: Now, he's not messing around. This is professional and thorough. Oh yeah
0: he has planned every step of this manifesto type of recording. this is his, his his magnum opus this is his moment to really perform and to show them what's going to happen. He is thrilled that he has this recording and that he's able to get inside of them and, and to make them try and think okay well I'll try and do this I'll bite him and he goes no mm. I've got an answer for that he's always got an answer He's to preempting what everything. Absolutely. This is so carefully thought out and drafted before he recorded it.
2: He then goes on to talk about the torture his victims are going to endure during sex.
3: Now, I should also tell you that there's going to be times when the whip and electroshock is used not for punishment, but for our pleasure. The difference will be when it's done for pleasure, the whip strokes will be much lighter. They'll sting like hell, but they won't have that burning sensation and leave welts that hurt for hours. As for the electroshock machine, the voltage will be turned down. It won't be that harsh electricity that uh makes your body convulse and jerk all over the table. You haven't experienced any of that yet, but I'm sure that you will. To avoid these punishments, you're going to have to be very quiet, very docile, and very obedient. And I imagine that's going to be very hard for you to do. You'll probably try this a few times to see if this is real. <laughs> Most captives do.
2: If you want to, be my guest, because it's all part of the game. That actor laughs during that, is that taking it from the transcript? I, I imagine it is, because in the recording we had of Ray, he actually laughed in that one as well
0: exactly you know he's he's treating this like a joke because to him it's enjoyment and he knows that this is going to give him more enjoyment because when he is ready to speak to these girls once they've played this tape he has them at a moment of absolute heightened terror that he's going to feed off that and he knows that you know he's torturing them without having to do anything yet mm because that psychological damage is just beyond and these girls are now thinking about what they're about to endure
2: yes it, it it's he's absolutely playing with their minds and he's got all bases covered so it's interesting what you said earlier that he wants to punish them but he's almost um psychologically beating them into submission because he's saying, you do this, I'm going to do that. You do this, I'm going to do that. So um, you can imagine at some point they tried to fight back, but straight away they would have known that he was in charge here.
0: Absolutely. And he is in charge for every single step. As you said, every every single action has a reaction and he is ready for them. And so these girls have to think hard and fast and wonder what he hasn't covered that they may be able to escape.
2: And he even has, listen to this, rules about using the bathroom. Now, let's discuss talking. You
3: cannot talk. You cannot speak unless you've been given permission. I believe that rule gets more bitches in trouble than anything else because they can't keep the damn mouth shut. They always want to whine, beg, plead, try to talk me into turning them loose. I used to listen to it. I don't anymore. I enjoy blessed silence. Around here, your mouth is for sucking, not talking. Around here, the only time I ever want to hear you initiate speech is if you have to use the restroom, and you will learn to do it properly. Master, may I please use the restroom, or mistress, may I please use the restroom. In response, we will ask what you need to do. If you have to pee, you say pee, master, or pee, mistress. If you have to crap, You say crap master or crap mistress. It will be done that way because quite often you will be in heavy restraints. A lot of straps on your body, chains on your wrists and ankles, a bunch of stuff that's uh, time consuming and hard to get loose. If you have to pee, we'll use a bedpan. If you have to shit, you may have to hold it a while. Whatever the case, we need to know and you definitely need to tell us because if you make a mess, you're going to be punished and you have to clean it up. Now, I've covered the basics pretty thoroughly. You know to keep your mouth shut and not try to talk. You know the proper way to say master or mistress, and you know how you're expected to act and respond to commands. If you can learn to do all that, there will not be a great deal of punishment.
2: We'll get along pretty good. Why does he keep calling them bitches?
0: It's all about that degradation and that dehumanising he's doing, you know. Basically, these girls are just holes to him, you know, that they have to be subservient to him, that they're nothing to him except something to pleasure him. So he is telling them that he really doesn't care about them. He doesn't care who they are, what they've done, what they think they're going to do. You're there for his pleasure and his pleasure only
2: and that's it. You know, this case um, to me has similarities to... Al Capone, who was never um, caught for murdering or doing any illegal stuff except tax evasion, they they believed Parker Ray um, was a serial killer, but they couldn't actually prove it.
0: No, and and they were about to uh, talk to him about several other cases, and it never eventuated because he died. And and though they believe that he had they've never been able to find victims and there's been times over the years that they've actually gone out and dug in various areas where he alludes to in some of his diary entries and they've never been able to find a victim so until they find bones that they can link to him he's still just an alleged serial killer.
2: Well, Amanda, this has been a tough episode, but I think it's been an important one in looking at the psyche of a killer. Um, We do do a lot of confessions, and what we've heard here is the killer's forethought and ideals for his treatment of victims. It's actually a really rare insight. Thank you for bringing it to us.
0: Thank you, and I hope no one has nightmares, but I know I will.
2: Yeah, that's... yeah. Yeah, there was yeah. some tough stuff in there. But anyway, on to a new case next week. Amanda's got a pile of them standing by. <laughs> so we will see you next week for another Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions episode. Until then, sweet dreams. Normally, being a little extra
0: can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra.